This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. I'm Brock Wilbur, your host and the editor-in-chief of The Pitch from Kansas City. This is the podcast extension of said publication. How are you doing out there? I am being bothered by my cat Bernstein. Uh, I don't know if you follow me on the social media. If so, uh, especially on Twitter, you've probably seen the long thread that I've done about Bernstein and the stick. Um, we have a stick. Uh, it is a, a, a thin plastic stick uh, that is attached to a long rainbow-colored ribbon. It is a cat toy. We got it back when we got Bernstein and Woodward as babies. They used to like playing with it back then. They stopped having any interest in it for two and a half years. And then Lily, who works with me, (laughs) came over uh, and started playing with uh, the ribbon uh, to tease the boys and and have them bat at it. Woodward has no interest. Bernstein rediscovered his love of the stick. Uh, And even though Lily is not at the house 24 hours a day. The stick is at the house 24 hours a day, as is Bernstein. And Bernstein has learned how to pick up the stick with his mouth and follow me room to room, everywhere, all of the time, 24 hours a day, carrying the stick and dropping it next to me and demanding that I play with stick. Um, It has been a fascinating thing, uh, especially for the sound of the stick coming up the stairs in the middle of the night. Um, it's, it's a quite large stick and you can hear it sort of thudding all the way up. And almost every time he brings it upstairs, he then manages to drop it at the top of the stairs and it falls all the way down and he picks it back up a second time. Um, in the middle of the night, it is not the sort of sound that you love to hear. Uh, but I've gotten used to the sound at this point. I'm like, okay, well, I know that that's not a home intruder, That's just Stick. Uh, But then Stick is in the bed next to me, following me to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Um, Wherever I go, really, in this house, Stick follows. Um, I've always been a person whose love language has been gifts. Uh, Things have always meant the most to me. Uh, And so giving things to others has always felt like the best extension of who I am and what I love. Um... This feels like my son just figured out uh, gifts as a love language. Um, and it's it's wonderful, but I also am learning a lot about how uh, this is a lot. It's just a lot to deal with. Uh, and, uh, and that makes me reflect on myself. I don't know. It's a fun little look in the mirror and be like, okay, that's, uh, if, if somebody isn't into that, uh, this, this, this can be a thing that they're, you know... It can be a little off-putting, I guess is what I'm trying to say, despite it being cute and well-intentioned and obviously from a place of love, because the thing of it is that Bernstein doesn't need me to play with stick. He doesn't need me to to throw it in his face so he can dabble in it. In fact, he's he's stopped even wanting to play with it that much in the last couple of days. No, all that matters is that he wants me to acknowledge that I have been given the stick, uh... I cannot throw it anywhere. I cannot get rid of it. I cannot hide it in a different room. The stick will come back to me immediately, and he will sit there 
with the stick next to me and just wants me to have stick and acknowledge that I've got it. And, and I love this. I love this about him. I love this for me. I love that, uh, I just, uh, can expect that, uh, the stick will come up and downstairs all the time, every day for the foreseeable future. God bless my stupid, stupid son. I love him so much and I will learn to love stick. Anyway, we have a great show today. We have a really fun interview that we're getting to later about cats. Didn't, uh, didn't look at the list of these things when I sat down to record, didn't realize we were doing a full on cat episode, but here we are. Uh, we have Nick's Music Corner, as per always. But first up here, uh, our friend Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment is reading Liz Cook's piece on some taco spots in Kansas City that are a little off the beaten path. Novel Tacos, Tortillas Off the Tourism Trail, by Liz Cook. Are we ready for pandemic silver linings yet? I've got one in the chamber. Kansas City's contrived but deserved renaissance as a taco town. Locals have been grazing at the taquerias lining Southwest Boulevard for decades, but last year the city of Kansas City, Kansas shrewdly branded them as a taco trail. Yoli Tortilleria opened a new retail shop on the west side and has kept its front yard reliably busy with innovative pop-ups from taco-slinging chefs. A Brooklyn-based freelancer proclaimed KC the true taco capital of the United States in Forbes, for suspicious journalistic reasons, and Texas got mad about it, for predictable ones. Torchy's Tacos, a popular Austin-based chain, entered the metro market. Chef JBBQ started selling enviable brisket and barbacoa tacos in the West Bottoms. In a tub is still around. Much to be thankful for. In honor of our burgeoning reputation, this month I tried tacos at three new spots well off the KCK Tourism Bureau's trail. All of them opened during the pandemic. All of them are miles south of the boulevard. And all of them use locally made tortillas. Also, let's just get this out of the way. All of them sell tacos that cost more than $2. Some of them sell tacos that are almost $4. This is fine. Good, actually. There was a time in my life when I bought into the myth that authentic tacos had to be simple and cheap and served in styrofoam, a viewpoint that pins Mexican cuisine in place with dated street food stereotypes and resigns all of us to rubbery tortillas made from commodity corn. The sub-$2 taco still has a place in my heart and on my lunch plate. But I'm more aware these days of the sacrifices taquerias make to keep costs down, and more skeptical about why some cuisines and categories of food get to be elevated, while others stay pigeonholed as cheap. We're a taco capital now. We have room for all kinds. Plus, in the end, is this authentic just isn't a very interesting question. I recommend, is this any good? Taco Naco KC Market and Taqueria Great taquerias don't always cater to the chips and margs set. But Overland Park's Taco Naco mostly succeeds in balancing regional Mexican flavors with nods to Calmex and Tex-Mex loving customers. It's hard to blame Chef Fernanda Reyes and her husband and co-owner Brian Goldman for listening to the locals. Although the pair took on intermittent catering jobs and pop-ups in 2019, they found success in 2020 once they began selling their tacos, and later their margarita mixes and meal kits, at the Overland Park Farmer's Market. The pair opened the brick-and-mortar Naco in a strip mall at 82nd and Metcalf this January and the taqueria and market have been reliably busy since. Don't worry, the line moves fast, as do the line cooks. The space is suffused with light-hearted touches and cartoon colors, from salmon and azure accent walls to an altar of snake plants, to cute cucumber garnishes stabbed with Mexican flag toothpicks. All tacos here use Yoli corn tortillas, which are excellent, and all of them are $3.75, except on Tuesdays when they're 3 for $9. The best pork option is a cochinita pibil, 
which features pork shoulder marinated in a blend of annatto paste and bitter orange, and slow-cooked in banana leaves. The shredded pork in my taco was tender and moist, and flavorful enough that I didn't need the heavy-handed drizzle of chipotle aioli. I preferred that aioli on the brisket barbacoa, where it added a velvety richness to the lean meat, balanced by tangy pickled onions. I wanted to love the mushroom mole taco, one of two vegan options here, but the mole tasted flat, adding only a slight sweetness to the earthy mushrooms. For now, I'll stick with the meats. If you want a dawdle here, order a king-sized margarita, which the restaurant serves in a plastic pint cup with a lipstick rim of tahine and chamoy. The classic lime margarita, $9, $5 at happy hour, tasted fresh, with the right balance of tart to sweet. You can have a fine time just sipping one on the sunny patio and grazing on a quarter-sheet pan of Taco Naco's fresh tortilla chips. Every order of guacamole or salsa arrives with enough chips to get a small bear through hibernation. The six salsa sampler, $5, is a good way to try them all, but the restaurant also sells 8-ounce cups of individual sauces. If you go that route, I recommend the creamy jalapeno, an avocado cool contradiction with a snaking, sneaking heat. Or the tomatillo, astroturf green, vegetal and mild. Reyes tells me she used to make her salsa matcha the traditional Veracruzana way. Less blended sauce than chile oil, with a sediment layer of ground peanuts and chiles de arbol. When that version didn't sell, she started using peanut butter and blending it. Some people, and more here in Overland Park, they don't like to see a lot of oil. That's a shame, because the version I tried tasted uncannily like roasted veggie cream cheese. Customer preferences dictated the Tex-Mex salsa as well. The only one of the restaurant's salsas to use canned tomatoes, and the only one mild enough for a goldfish to swim in. That one we just do because everyone says, I want my regular ketchup-flavored salsa, Reyes laughs. I don't know how to say no to my customers. Reyes has good culinary instincts, and Taco Naco is likely to keep improving as she and Goldman refine where to adapt and where to stick to their guns slash guts. For now, the restaurant is already a mood-lifting place to eat and shop, with tacos worth the drive for urban core dwellers. South of Summit Taqueria and Tequila South of Summit has had plenty of time to get its feet under it. The Waldo Hangout opened in February 2020 next to sister restaurant Summit Grill, but the tacos here suggest the kitchen is still working out some kinks. The menu, developed by restaurateurs Andy Locke, Domnal Malloy, and Po Wang, has a small selection of entrees, burritos, taco salads, but tacos are the main focus. When South of Summit first opened, it advertised made-from-scratch corn tortillas, but the restaurant has since switched to using Yoli corn tortillas. Soon, all of Kansas City will be made from Yoli masa. I've probably eaten hundreds of tacos on Yoli tortillas at this point, and they almost never blow out their bottoms. Here, four different tacos split open on me. Part of the problem is that nearly every taco is so overloaded, they look more like floppy tostadas. The barbacoa taco, $3.50, was piled with a sandwich portion of slow-roasted beef that tasted dry despite being sogged with broth. The al pastor taco, $3.25, here, pork cooked on a spit grill, had a mountain of tough meat dripping with annatto red oil. The marinated pineapple added a brisk acidity, but the pork tasted bland on its own. And the chicken tinga taco, $3, a bargain for size queens, was nearly impossible to eat without a knife and fork. I had better luck with the fried cheese curd taco, $3.75. The curds were a prepared product, south of Summit doesn't bread them in-house, but they were crisply fried and chastely topped with a creamy spicy jicama slaw. And the chorizo verde, $3.25, was my favorite of the tacos I tried. The house-made salsa verde brought a wash of gentle heat to the even blend of chorizo, crisp potatoes, and small curd scrambled eggs. The cramped ocean blue dining room is energetic at best and frenetic at worst, with an open kitchen and galley orientation that crowds the entryway with bodies at peak times. The small courtyard between the taqueria and summit grill is a quieter place to sit and snack on chips and dip. Granted, the salsa roja that comes with a pre-meal basket of chips is about as spicy as a recorder concert, 
Taco Naco should send their ketchup fans here. But the guacamole, $7.75, half price at happy hour, is well seasoned, with hefty chunks of avocado and a spicy snap from sliced serranos. South of Summit has good ideas and good ingredients, but the execution isn't quite there. I'll return if they dial back their fillings and dial up their flavors. Taco Cacao When Cacao Restaurante co-owner Alfonso Esqueda opened Taco Cacao this January, it felt like a Hail Mary. With COVID, we were this close to closing the restaurant, he tells me. We had to do something different to survive. Something different meant something casual, a small taco truck with online ordering and a semi-permanent residence at 79th and Warnall. If the line outside the trailer on weeknights is any indication, Esqueda and Cacao are going to make it. The tacos here are small and simple, with minimal adornments to let the meats shine. They do. The red pork cochinita taco, $2.25, is compulsory. The rosy chunks of pork were slightly grassy from a slow steaming in banana leaves and soft enough to threaten known states of matter. The cubes of steak in the asada taco, $2.25, were tender and spice-crusted, rounded out with a few slices of grilled onion and a sprinkling of cilantro. Most of the tacos are served on two-corn tortillas, locally made, Esqueda tells me, though he's cagey about the supplier. The double-stack treatment is ostensibly to help the tacos travel well. Though Taco Cacao has a small picnic table, most diners take their orders to go. I'm not sure Cacao needs the taco insurance. I transported a family pack of tacos for 20 minutes, and the fillings never breached the first layer. The only single-ply taco is Zibiria, $2.25. Tender, fatty morsels of beef nestled on a single-corn tortilla burnished with consomme to a temerit gold. Even with the consomme, the taco held its shape. If you can tear yourself away from the cochinita, this is a solid second choice. Larger appetites may prefer the burritos, $6.99, which I sliced like sushi to share with friends in an act of Midwestern violence. The burritos are packed with meat, beans, rice, and chipotle mayo, and bronzed on a flat top to give them a little extra flavor and structure. They're tidy enough to eat one-handed while driving if you can't wait until you get home. Esqueda recently opened a second trailer at 75th and State Line and fitted it with a trompo for pork al pastor. Right now, he's mostly renting it out for events and private parties, but it may join the permanent fleet if demand stays high. I suspect it will. Taco Cacao may be the most consistent taco spot to open this year. Thanks, Jason. And now it's time for Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. In an effort to put my brain in a better headspace lately, I've been listening to music that makes me feel like I can just bop around the house doing chores and dancing, regardless of what my cats think of the awkwardly flailing person clomping about. To that end, I've been digging the hell out of Baby in the Brain's debut album, Brain Baby, which released the first Friday in September. While we'd shared the record's first single for Finn and absolutely gushed about it in a single-sentence singles roundup earlier this summer, Brain Baby as a whole does a superb job of showing off the fact that the duo of Joe McKenzie and Dia Jane know how to craft songs which can make you smile while also tugging at your heartstrings. The first track on Baby and the Brain's Brain Baby is called On the Run and sounds like it should be played in front of a massive crowd of fans, all jumping up and down while singing along with the song's big hook. It's a joyous piece of stadium pop, sure to stick in your ears for days after you hear it. You can read my interview with the duo's Dia Jane at the Pitch's website to get more information about the making of Brain Baby and how Baby and the Brain came together, and you can snag Baby and the Brain's Brain Baby at babybrainband.com. Dot .bandcamp.com Here's On The Run We check in the hotels Just to see if I can pay Put it on my tab dear Worry about it another day That's over for 
So today we're talking to Tori from the KC Pet Project about uh, Catter Day. Uh, it's an event coming up. It's very fun. Uh, it's cat-centric, and it is good for everyone. And um, here, here's that interview. Tori, welcome to the podcast. Would you introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, I'm Tori Fugate. I'm with KC Pet Project, Chief Communications Officer at the shelter. And tell me about your partnership with The Pitch doing Creature Feature. <laughs> we have loved being a part of Creature Feature and promoting pets that are looking for homes. And, you know, often we have animals that come to us that spend a little bit more time at the shelter and maybe just need that little extra marketing push and a boost to get them adopted. And this has just been such a great way to help animals find homes. And it's been very, very successful um, majority of the pets that we have promoted have been adopted and you know they they get adopted very very quickly so it's been a wonderful partnership for if you're listening to the podcast and you don't check the site regularly every tuesday we publish a feature where we feature one to two pets that are up for adoption this week Uh, we always have a cool little explanation of their personalities and stuff i i have to let you know a thing that i've not previously told you which is that uh, you had a dog, Bella, that was there for what seemed like forever, uh, was maybe the first pet we featured on Creature Feature. Uh, and yeah. Savannah Hawley uh, from our office from day one was like, I want that dog. I want that dog so very much. I live in an apartment where we can't have a dog. And every time we would pull up a picture of Bella, Savannah would cry, and Bella wound up staying there for so many months unadopted. And so every week when you gave us the update about like which pets had been adopted, which ones were still there, I would go into Savannah's office and be like, you know who's still available? And she would go, no. And I was like, you could just go down there. You could lie to your landlord. Anyway, I I think the happiest I've ever seen her in her role at the pitch was the day that you were finally like, hey, Bella got adopted. I I know that you you don't know how, how big of a thing that that was, but there, there was there was actual crying in the office that Bella finally had a home, uh, and also I that I that. could stop bullying my coworker into being like, you know, Bella's definitely still sad again today that you have not come out there to pick her up. So. Right, right, and she just looked 
sad anyway. Like she had just those, you know, what you refer to as puppy dog eyes that were just kind of droopy and she'd just look up at you and she was, uh, she seemed to us she was really overweight and, you know, thanks to a foster home, she got her weight down to a manageable, healthy limit. And, uh, you know, she was, uh, you know, we marketed her so much and finally, um, you know, the right family came along and they actually like drove here, um, to, get her from another town and so it was uh, really exciting that she finally went to a new home we, we we could see how hard you were trying to help bella because bella was one of the only pets on the site that eventually had a youtube video that was like look what an what a wonderful dog please somebody give bella a home which uh, right. was another thing that i used to bully savannah with Savannah, I'm so happy that you're listening to this to hear that Bella has a good home. Tell me more about where Bella is and what a wonderful family she has. Yeah, I mean, it was just like meant to be, um, you know, Chris that was fostering her and Jackie, they were, they're an amazing foster family for us. And Chris has his own um, Instagram account where he uses it to promote all of the foster pets uh, that are in their home. And he's, you know, great about promoting them and everything. And um, he worked with some national, um, like the Dodo also featured Bella, and it was just like she was getting such a wide response, and then finally, like, he got a message from somebody, and they were like, I'm really interested in, in meeting Bella, and it just worked out, and she went to a new home, and, you know, sometimes, I think he gets updates now from the family, but sometimes it's just like they just, they leave, and we never, ever hear updates again, but hopefully he's hearing from them, and, and hearing how she's doing but you know we assume that she's just doing great i didn't know that bella was also featured at the dodo like bella yeah. had national attention i just she did savannah <laughs> you really had your chance here my goodness you you really <laughs> missed out on bella so um so we're here to talk about the catterday event um tell me what what this is and 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 how people can take part in it so we consider Catterday to be one of the best days of the year. Um, it's appropriately named Catterday. And, uh, you know, we're going to be celebrating all things cats. And so this year at KC Pet Project, we're going to be taking in around 6,000 cats and kittens, which is a huge record for us. We've never taken in that many animals or that many cats before. So this event is going to be a fundraiser to support all of those cats that come to our shelter, um, you know, during during the year. And, this year, it's a cosmic cat theme, and so cats are going to space, and we are blasting off in the East Crossroads area on Sunday, October 10th from noon to 4, and we're going to be just doing a bar crawl in the East Crossroads area with eight different stops to benefit the cats at the shelter. It's, um, you know, we have amazing partners with all of the bars and distilleries, breweries that are participating, and you can just bar hop and enjoy drink specials there will be raffle items that you can try to win and it's just going to be a really really fun time to support the cats at our shelter so to reiterate you drink and it helps cats that is the gist of the event it is very <laughs> and everybody dresses up like in cat stuff and so if you go on like amazon or etsy there are some epic cats face shirts that you can purchase. We've all been trying to pick out which one we're going to wear because there's just so many great options. And the, when we did this in person two years ago, 
all of our attendees were wearing like cat shirts and you know cat ears everybody gets light up cat ears that participate it's a $30 entry fee if you purchase tickets from now until the 8th I believe and then we um, will be able to do walk-up tickets so but for $30 you get a swag bag with great items from our participating locations and our sponsors and you get light up cat ears and it's just a whole bunch of people hundreds of people walking around the crossroads in cat stuff and it really is a, just such a fun amazing event I moved to Kansas City and I, I think my entire online brand is both being an uh, intrepid journalist, but also being a man that loves his many, many cats so much. And the moment I got here, Catter Day became a thing that, like, before you even announce it every year, everyone is in my phone being like, so you're marking your calendar, right? You want me to get you a ticket? You already have tickets. This is the year that I finally started, like, reaching out to friends that um, – I am in a I am in a DM online with a bunch of strangers from across the country where we all just share pics of our cats every day. Uh, it has led to me feeling like I am a dad to so many cats with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> but I, I I I posted in there when you guys announced this year, I was like Catter Day, and they were like, "How did you never tell us about this before?" And I was like, um, well, "I don't know." Uh, you, I, I I just none of you live in Kansas City, and now there are several people flying to Kansas City for that I, weekend to come to Catter Day with me. People that I don't know that I've met through Twitter, insofar as I see pictures of their cats, and they're like, "No, I should be here for this," and also it's my chance to finally meet your cats. And I'm like, "Sure, bring it. Let's go do Catter Day together." <laughs> I love that so much, <laughs> Catter Day, bringing everybody together. You know, it's always so funny because we do a lot of events and they're always like, you know, pints for pups and, you know, paws for a cause. You know, it's like there's always like a dog theme to all the events. And then finally we uh, were like, we're having an event for the cat people. So this is, um, you know, just a, a really fun fundraiser. Um, you know, we really appreciate our sponsors. We have some amazing sponsors, including BB Pets and Black Hole Bakery, um, that if you've never been to Black Hole Bakery, they're absolutely amazing here in Kansas City, and then Cordelio. And we're just so excited that, you know, people are supporting this event, and you can come, and, um, you know, one of our stops is going to be at International Tap Houses Boulevard, and they're going to have a huge, like, space camper set up because it is a space theme, but for the day it's going to be a space camper set up. Oh my goodness. So think lots of puns, lots of, you know, fun fun opportunities to hang out with your fellow cat people of Kansas City and beyond and enjoying a day just out. Hopefully it's gonna be a beautiful day in the crossroads and you can bar hop between our eight stops and hang out with a bunch of cat people. Cats are great. Puns are great. Cat puns just uh an unending series of, of joy. It is also worth mentioning that uh, when I started Creature Feature here at the pitch, the people in my cat chat group are always trying to bully me into adopting more cats. I'm always like, I have three cats and a dog. It's just so much. And they're like, but you have space for more. And so every week, I think you can tell from my responses to you every time you send a cat over, I'm like, I would die for Scott or whoever it is this week. I love him so much. But the people in my cat chat are constantly reading <laughs> Creature Feature, people from all over the country. And they, I am, I am as much as I bullied Savannah, I am bullied much harder to be like, 
Brock, why why is Scott not already at your house? So um, <laughs> I, I'm very worried that in having people come stay with us, I am in danger of adopting cats at the Cat or Day event. And I well, can't take four, but I, yep, yeah, no, I hear it in your voice, and I'm going to lose this one. I know that I'm leaving this weekend with another cat, and I, I just, I, I have to surrender, I think. I was going to say, the good news is there won't be any cats at the stop. So, just a bunch of people in cat ears. Um, so, thankfully, you will not be tempted until the next creature feature uh, where we feature, you know, cats with human names like Scott. I, <laughs> The, these people do have access to all of our creature feature write-ups of the cats, and they will be here in person. I I am a 6'7 man, but I am in danger of being bullied by Internet people <laughs> in real life. If people are not in Kansas City but would love to support what you guys are doing, where can they go? Is there a donation page? Is there a place where, you know, they can toss a few bucks your way to help cover the costs of, like, adoptions or food for the animals? What what can people do to help out with your mission? Absolutely. If you go to our website, if you're interested in learning more about Catterday, um, you can go to our website at kcpetproject.org, and when you log in, you'll see, you know, all the information about Catterday. Um, but you can just go to that Donate tab and support, um, you know, through a variety of ways, including monetary gifts, which go directly towards the care of the animals at our shelter, um, but there's also links to our Amazon wish list and other ways that you can, you know, purchase supplies, taking care of 6,000 cats a year, which takes a lot of food, a lot of supplies to be able to take care of all of those kittens and cats that are coming to us. And so there's a lot of great ways that you can support us in that way. And all proceeds from this event will go towards the care of those animals that come to our shelter every year. I, I I just felt such a, a pain in my stomach knowing that people from that Cat Jack group will listen to this and know that there are 6,000 cats here and I'm going to be bullied so much more because they know <laughs> there's just yep. so many opportunities for me to bring more home. Okay, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, we look forward to being at the event. I cannot wait to see you there. Thank you so much. We're really excited. And if you want to purchase tickets, there's still some available on our website at kcpetproject.org. Thank you, Tori. And thank you to everyone who reads Creature Feature. Thank you to Savannah for letting me bully you about Bella for a solid six months. Thank you to whoever took in Bella. God bless you. Uh, Bella is indeed the image for this podcast episode. So you can go see those beautiful, beautiful eyes uh, right now. Um, this has been an extension of the pitchkc.com. We are Kansas City's alternative news source. We publish great stuff each and every day. Please come check out what we're doing. Please toss us a couple of bucks if you ever feel like it. Our best of issue will be coming out soon. And boy, howdy, is, is it just a, a stellar one this year. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, pitch in, and we'll make it through. Bye, 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 bye. This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips 
at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.